Hi, and welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church Podcast. We want to thank you for joining us online and remind you to feel free to visit our website at seacoastvineyard.com anytime for up-to-date information on our local church here in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. If you would like to give financially to this ministry, whether that's a one-time gift or a recurring monthly gift, simply click on the Give tab at our website and give however God leads you. Now, we want you to enjoy this message from God's Word. And uh, if this is your first time with us, we are so glad you're here. My name's Tim. I'm one of the pastors, and uh, what a beautiful fall day. And uh, you guys prayed for surf last week, and... uh, I hear there's ways, but I'm here preaching, so um, you can pray an additional prayer for me. Those of you who don't know, I'm an old surfer, and mentioned we're in a series on prayer, and uh, so I said pray for waves, because we haven't had any, so you guys did, and we got some, and uh, here I am. Whenever, uh, when we were, our kids were young, uh, we tried to introduce them to sports, and you know, some kids want to be involved in sports, and some kids don't want to be involved in sports. But our oldest son, uh, Jason, got interested in baseball at, a, at an early age. And if, you know, if you've lived around here, you know there was the Dixie Youth League. And, and so Jason started playing ball in Dixie Youth. And then he moved on into Palmetto League. And so he was playing ball right on through middle school, elementary school, middle school. He got into high school. And uh, he went out for high school ball and got on the, played for uh, the high school team as well. And played his ninth grade, 10th grade. We got to the junior year to the 11th grade and, um, you know, played that year. And near the end of the year, uh, or at the end of the year, the last game, the game was over and the season had ended. The coach called all the players up around home base and I happened to be there. We, we were the typical, uh, you parents who have had kids in sports know what this is like. You know, you go to every game, you... You know, I even went to the practices. You know, I sat in my truck and did my work in the truck watching my kid, you know, out there and all. And uh, so I was there at the end of the game. We were there, and they, he calls all the seniors, uh, the, uh, those juniors who are going to be seniors, he calls, the coach calls them all up to the home base. And, and coach says to them, he says, look, you're going into the 12th grade next year. Uh, if you will come back, and play ball next year, I will see that my seniors get a chance to start. They get a chance to start a game. I'll give you a shot. I'll give our seniors, I'll give my seniors a shot at playing if you'll come back. And uh, Jason was thinking about not playing actually his last year, and we heard that. We thought, hey, you're going to get a shot again. Why not do it? So, you know, he came back. We were excited. He went to all the practices. The season began his senior year. We go to the first game. He sits on the bench. We go to the second game. He sits on the bench. We go to the third game. He sits on the bench. Fourth game, fifth game, sixth game, seventh game, eighth game, bench, 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 out a town, traveling all that way. I mean, we're supportive of the team. We love the team. We're there for him. Uh, but still, Jason sits on the bench, and I am quickly getting what is known as APS, angry parent syndrome. And uh, if we have any coaches in here, you, I am not your worst nightmare, I promise. I mean, but, but after having heard what I perceived to be a promise, I was getting very angry that uh, my promise was not being fulfilled. 
And so we kept going. The season was quickly coming to a close. And uh, I told Karen, I said, I'm going to see Coach. I'm going to have a little talk with Coach. (laughs) And don't tell Jason, because he would be so embarrassed, okay? But I'm going to hold him to his word. So I called the school. I got an appointment, and I went in, and... uh, I go in, I say, coach, gosh, you're such a great coach. <laughs> yeah, I lie. And, uh, you know, you're such a, thank you for just pouring out all of what you do for the kids. And I know you're working so hard for them. Uh, but what about your promise? <laughs> what promise? The promise you made to the seniors. My kid. The seniors. That you would at least give them a shot. That you would let them start at least a game. What about that? I didn't say that. I said, oh, yes, you did. That was your promise. That's your promise to the seniors. That's not what I said. And so where do we we go from here? We couldn't go anywhere from here. Um, I just basically, I didn't act out. I just said, well, uh, that's not what I heard. What I heard was a promise. And what I've experienced and my son has experienced has been a breaking of that promise. It hasn't been fulfilled. You haven't come through with your word. We began a series on prayer last week where we talked about what prayer is and how to pray. And I can't really talk about the subject of prayer without talking about, but what about when my prayer doesn't seem to get answered. What about when it doesn't go the way that I've been asking God for it to go? What about that, Tim? What, what, what about God? What about his promises? What about that? What about him? And you, we got to be honest, right? I mean, everybody in here who's ever had a prayer and hasn't had it answered the way you wanted it to, you, you got that in the back of your mind. But what about this? And so I think we need to... Uh, talk about this this morning. So we're going to talk about, you know, why hasn't God answered my prayer the way I think he should? And so you guys can pray for me this morning, because this isn't an easy, this isn't an easy sermon to preach in a way. It's challenging. And uh, because I got prayers too. I mean, I got prayers that I've I've been praying and have prayed, and and you do. And so you guys can pray for me now, and we're going to jump into this and see if we can take this wonderful collection of books that was put together, that God allowed to be put together and brought together, that gives us, it shows us how God does things and, and is full of wisdom and insight for us. And we're going to take this and take a look and see if we cannot learn why maybe God has not answered. Or maybe some of the things we could be doing maybe that might increase, you know, our prayers getting answered. So how about pray for me and... Uh, Let's jump into this. Father, thank you so much for your word. Uh, I ask for you to breathe life on it this morning, that uh, you would come with your presence, that uh, you would bring it to life. And Lord, I believe that also that, like you said in John 6, 63, Father, that your spirit brings life. And the flesh profits nothing. But your word, Lord, is spirit and it's life. It's truth. And so we pray for your word to come forth this morning to bring life. 
The Spirit would come and bring life to us today. Lord, there are all kind of prayers in this room right now. If we could see those little caption boxes out of everybody's heart right now, there are all kinds of prayers in this room. We all have them. And they're very precious to you. I believe that. And so, Lord, would you allow us to learn from your word today? Help me, God, in my weakness, in some way for people to be able to, for all of us to be able to hear your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, there's a great scripture over in Mark 11, 24 that uh, many of us like to memorize and quote. And it is indeed a wonderful verse. It says, therefore, I tell you, this is Jesus speaking. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Great verse, right? I mean, some of us have memorized that verse and we say it over and over. And some of us may have come from a certain strain of Christianity, a certain belief system that's name it and claim it. You know, blab it and grab it. You know, that's like, if I just keep saying it enough and saying it enough and believing it enough and declaring it enough, then I can grab it and take it and it's mine. And, and so uh, and it's kind of frustrating when it doesn't happen, though. You're like, I'm saying it, I'm believing it, I'm believing it, it's not happening, I'm believing, I'm saying, I'm saying, I'm saying. But the, the problem, see, that we get into is that there is no one verse alone right by itself. Verse 24 is followed by verse 25. And so when we take this verse, we don't want to just lift it up out of that and go, okay, there's my promise. I'm going to take that and run with it. Let's, let's read the rest of the story. Let's find out if there's something that we can learn about our prayers uh, from the next verse. And in the next verse, we read, and, that means as you're praying, and when you stand praying, verse 25, as you stand Believing, asking that you're going to receive this. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them. So that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. As we look at the possible reasons for our prayers not getting answered the way we think they should be. Maybe, and you have a fill-in in your handout this morning. If you want to track along, there's a pen there for you as well, and, and uh, there are three fill-ins. W- one of the reasons they may not be answer- getting answered the way that we think they should is it could be, and I'm prefacing all of these with it could be, okay? It could be your relationships. It could be your relationships. Verse 25 is tied to verse 24, and when you pray, forgive. It seems to me, it appears to me, Uh, that this relational, there's a relational component to our prayers getting answered. You know, relationships are a big deal to God. I mean, relationships are such a big deal to God that He sent His only Son to come and die for you so that He could have a relationship with you. That's how big a deal a relationship is to Jesus. How big it is to God. And here, I'm just saying, you know, it looks like It appears to me that God is saying, hey, when you go to me and you pray and you ask for things, make sure that your relationships with others is as good as you can, is your part, that you can play in it anyway. Make sure your relationships are good, that you don't have any unforgiveness toward anyone. 
Now that's a tough one, isn't it? Because, I mean, the fact of the matter is people have done things to us and they don't deserve to be forgiven. They don't. They don't. They just flat don't. There are things that's happened in our lives, uh, things that have happened where people don't deserve to be forgiven, but that's the beauty and the power of the cross of Christ is that there's the beautiful glory of Jesus on that cross forgiving us of our sins. Now that power and that amazing grace has been given to his people, those who follow him, to extend the same grace and mercy to others. And it seems to be so important to God that he says, if you want your prayers answered, then you need to deal with your unforgiveness. So maybe, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe our relationships have something to do with our prayers not getting answered. Maybe we have some unfinished business with forgiving people. 1 John 4.20 says, If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother, I'll say sister whom he has seen, cannot love God whom he has not seen. Relationships are important. 1 Peter 3, 7. This is a great scripture. Husbands, in the same way be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life. Why? Why? Well, there you go. There's why God's not answering your prayers, husband. There it is. I don't know why God's not answering my prayers. Because you're not treating your wife the way that she deserves to be treated. Relationships seems to be a big deal with God. I mean, God seems to tie it to prayer. And if we want our prayers answered and we desire to have them answered, then he's like, hey, you got business to do with your relationships first. You need to clean up some things and... And here's the prayer you should be asking. Lord, help me forgive someone. Help me forgive that person. Help me to love my mate and show respect to them. Okay. You know, all of this, by the way, is God disciplining us, disciplining us to make us look more like his son. All of this is his way of working in us so that we look like Jesus. All of this is. So, you know, why treat him with respect? If you, don't have, if you want a reason, husband... This is terrible, isn't it? If you want a reason why to treat your wife well, I want my prayers answered. You know, so respect your wife, treat her well, and same for you wives to your husband. Hey, I didn't make this up, so take it up with God. Um, I just think relationships important to God, very important. Like I said, the cross is the biggest statement of God's desire for relationship that you will ever see. That cross is his emblem of his love of relationship with you. That's how much he desires a relationship with you. Therefore, relationships among ourselves, very important to him. Very important. Matthew 5, 23, Jesus is preaching along and then he gets to this point and he goes, Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar... Like in worship, we were just worshiping. We're going to go back in just a little bit, back to worship for a few minutes. And there, remember that your brother, your sister has something against you. Leave your gift. We're getting ready to take an offering up. When we take offering, that's worship. When we worship, that's an offering. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to your brother. Then come and offer your gift. Relationship is so important to God that he says, before you lift your hand in worship, before you put your tithes or offerings in the basket, 
make sure everything is okay between you and your brother and sister. Relationships are important to God. Important. And that is hard work. Very difficult work, isn't it? Yeah, but it's the work of Jesus in our life. And that's how he conforms us to his image. Is we have to work at our relationships. So maybe you're thinking even now, you know, like, well, there is this person that I absolutely detest. And yeah, and I kind of keep that as a little, like you keep it like a pet, you know, that you really hate and you bring it out every now and then. It's like maybe this morning, just maybe this morning, there is grace here through the cross of Christ for you to release that person this morning, to let them go. No, it does not mean that what they did was right at all. Matter of fact, that's the beauty of forgiveness. They didn't deserve it, just like we didn't deserve Jesus' forgiveness. But now it's made available through Christ that we can extend it to others. And so we forgive. So it could be about our relationships. And secondly, why aren't our prayers being answered the way we think they should be? It could be about our motives. Could be about our motives. James 4.3 says, When you ask, do not, and you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. In other words, it's selfishness and self-centeredness the motives are. Last week I mentioned Matthew 6 where Jesus was talking about the religious leaders of his day and how the Pharisees would stand on the street corner and go out in all of their regal, you know, garb that said that they were the holy man, holy men. And they would walk out in the middle of the town square and, and everyone would have to stop what they were doing while the holy man lifted up this awesome prayer. And Jesus said, those of you who pray like that in front of everyone in order to impress people so that people think that you're so holy and so knowledgeable and so wonderful... You've already got what you're going to get. In other words, the fact that you want people to see you and think of you that way, it really doesn't matter what you're praying for because in your heart, your motive was to be admired. So it doesn't matter what you said to me. Your motives are wrong and you already got what you wanted because everybody looked at you. Motives are important to God. I mean, we do it though, don't we? I mean, we do, you know. We have to let God kind of convict us and correct us when these things happen. Uh, I mean, it's been a long time since I've been in college, but I still remember my friends, you know, when I first became a Christian, and uh, we were trying, you know, I got married when I was in college, but these guys were looking for someone to, to marry, and they would see a girl on campus, and they would find out that she wasn't a Christian, she wasn't a follower of Christ, and they would come back to the Bible study and go, well, pray for this girl. Pray for her to come to Jesus. Oh, well, you know, I mean, his real motive was, I can't date her, really. I'm in accountability with you guys, and I can't date her until she becomes a Christian. I mean, that was his motive. You know, I mean, our motives are, oh, like, there's $300 million in the lottery. Lord, if you will let me win the lottery, I'll give half of it to the vineyard. <laughs> no, you won't. You won't give 10% now. You're not going to give half of $300 million. No, you're not. 
You just want that money. Let's, I mean, our motives. What are our motives? Maybe God is, God is after dealing with us about our motives. Proverbs 16.2 says, All a man's ways seem innocent to him, but motives are weighed by the Lord. And he looks straight into our heart and he knows whether our motives are righteous and good and pure or whether they're selfish and self-centered and egotistical. 1 John 5, 14 through 15 says, This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that is, going to God to pray, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of Him. That is what is according to his will. So, and I, I want to say this too, and I didn't say this in the first service, but a lot of times we have this uh, catch-all phrase, if it's your will. You know what I'm saying? And, but sometimes we use that as a lazy excuse for not praying for things we should be praying for. You got that? There are some things God shows us that we need to believe for and pray for. And we don't need to just go, whatever your will is, Lord. You know, it's a way for us to, to kind of cop out of our, our responsibilities for praying. God has called us to pray. He's called us to talk to Him about our loved ones, about our community, about our church, about the situation. I mean, even Syria right now, somebody better be praying. Somebody better be praying for wisdom. People are going to die. More people are going to die. What is God saying? You know, somebody has to pray, not if it's your will, send the cruise missiles in, whatever. No, we need to know what God says about some things, and we pray. But we pray according to His will. We find out what His will is when we read this. When we know it fits into this. When we know it has to do with His kingdom, His rule, and His reign. But we pray according to His will. I mean, the inverse of this first John 5, 4, 14 is that, you know, if it's not according to His will, He doesn't hear it. He doesn't hear it. If you want to flip it and turn it on its end, He's not going to hear that. He is going to hear what's His will. And he wants us to pray what his will is. So it could be about relationships. And God could be like dealing with us to make sure we get our relationships in order. Now, by the way, I am talking to you guys who are serious about following Jesus this morning. You know, if you're here, you're kind of not doing that, but you're checking it out. I'm glad you're here because now you're getting a picture of what God has called his church to live like. This is what we've been called to live like. We've been called to work hard on our relationships with one another. One of the reasons is so our prayers can be heard. We have been called to work hard at knowing what His will is and having pure motives in our heart when we pray. And that's a lifelong journey. It doesn't, you know, we're not going to wake up tomorrow and go, man, I got that one down. Yeah, Whew, Never have to struggle with forgiving someone again, ever. Oh, man, my motives are so pure and holy, except for one. Um, you know, <laughs> no, God continues to work in us and to purify us, and to make us look like His Son. So it could be about the relationships. could be we're not getting the answers to our prayers. It could be about our motives, why we ask what we do of God. And it could be, your third one here, it could be about the way we live, the way we live life, the way we live. James 5.16 says, Therefore confess your sins to each other, 
and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man, the prayer of a righteous man, a righteous woman, is powerful and effective. The prayer of who? A righteous man, a righteous woman. I know uh, this is especially true in the vineyard. We, I don't want people to miss. I don't want you to misunderstand something here. But we, hey, we have to talk about scripture that is challenging, right? We can't pick and choose what we what we talk about here. I know that God loves every one of us. I know that He died for every one of us. He loves each of us, and uh, there is no, you know big person in God's sight and little person in God's sight. But does God answer your prayer as quickly quickly as he does Billy Graham's prayer? Hey, I'm just asking the question, that's all. I mean, I'm, I'm just asking. I mean, is there something to if you or I or we're moving in the right direction with God and we're obedient and we're right living, we're moving in the right direction, does it not seem like God comes along and seems to begin to answer prayer and begin to move in a little bit more of a consistent way? I mean, I'm just saying. I mean, it doesn't mean God loves Billy Graham any more than he loves you, but does it look like if we live life righteously, things seem to go maybe a little better? God answers, I mean, is that what this is saying? Or, or can we change the scripture and go, the prayer of an unrighteous man is powerful and effective? Is that what it means? Does it matter whether you are right living and in right standing with God or not? Or does it help in getting our prayers answered if we are in the move, in that uh, flow of going with God? Think of it this way. You know, you've got... You've got children. You've got one kid. Man, that kid is doing everything they can to succeed in life as far as uh, living their life well. They're not getting in trouble. Uh, They're working hard at their schoolwork. They come to you and they ask you for some help and and even doing more of that. Maybe uh, they want to go to an extra class or they want to go... You would do anything in the world, right? You would get in there and go, I'm going to help you. I'm going to do what I can. But you got another kid, which we all seem to have another kid. Another kid. You got another kid, though, who absolutely takes whatever you give them, wastes it, throws it away, is disrespectful, does not listen to you. Now, you still love them just as much as you love the other one, but that one that is throwing things away and is fighting you tooth and nail, they come to you and ask you for more toys to tear up. What are you going to say? I'm just saying. Does the way we live have anything to do with how we get our prayers answered? Does God pay attention to how we live? Does it make a difference to Him? how we live well it seems to me kind of like it does a little bit now this is not us earning God's favor so don't misunderstand me because if you know me I am a grace junkie I am I mainline grace I love it I'm not saying you earn anything from God by how you behave because the cross of Christ did it all for us we're all sinners far away from God except for Jesus Christ. But 
Does God get in behind and encourage us to live a righteous life? As we become more obedient and more obedient, does it seem, does it make sense to you? Does it make sense in Scripture that God comes along and He says, okay, I'm going to help you get on down the road here. Let me, let me get in behind you. I just, it, it looks like it's a little bit uh, unfair to expect God to finance our dysfunction. I mean, you know, just keep financing my dysfunction, Lord. You know, I just keep going to you, asking you for more. It seems like that's not an encouragement to live life the way he's called us to live it. And so maybe that's, maybe that's got a part. Maybe that's playing a part of why our prayers are not getting answered. Maybe we could take a look at our life and say, am I, am I, in that, am I going that direction? I use Billy Graham because he seems to have lived a... And he would say, he would never say he lived a perfect life. And I think there's some things that, you know, with politics and all, he would say he made some big mistakes in and all. But, but he has lived a moral life. And it just looks like God has got in behind him and kind of blessed his life of these 90 years or so now, you know. And I'm like, well, maybe there is something to living a righteous life. Maybe God does kind of like it when we live an obedient life. Maybe he puts his approval on it. Proverbs 15, 29 says, the Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. He hears the prayer of the right living, those that have been put in right standing with God and are moving that direction. And part of that life, part of living that life is living it in faith, living a life of faith and believing that God is good and that He's who He said He is. That's a part of living this life as well. And it's a part of the righteous living. James 1, 6 through 7 says, But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea. Living this life is having confidence in what God says. That's a part of this faith walk, this part of believing in God and you know, not up and down, but believing that if God has said something and promised us something, then we can believe it. I mean, that's, some of you are there in your spiritual life right now. God has got you at a place where you have to take a faith step. Some of you in here today, you, you know you've got to take a step in faith and it scares you. You don't know if you can trust God with that step. But God's waiting for you to make it. Because he's a good God and you can take that step in faith. And that's part of living this life too, that God blesses. God blesses a life of faith. People who live a life of faith. When we looked at this uh, building, some of you were with us, I'm sure, that Sunday afternoon, we, our other place that we were meeting, this was three years ago, we brought about 70, 80 of us down here to pray over this building. And we walked all through the building. This was full of offices in here at the time and out there as well. And, and uh, we walked through the building, we prayed around the property, and then we went to the big classroom, the multi-purpose room back here, and we gathered that Sunday afternoon, and we gathered in a circle, and we began to pray. And we prayed, Lord, is this where you want the vineyard? Is this where you want us? Is this the property for us? And I mean, I, you know, I'm, the, I'm the senior pastor. It's a lot on me. I've got great leaders with me, but I'm realizing you know, I've, got to, I've got to pull the trigger here if we're going to do this thing. And you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there praying, and we have this lovely couple that comes down as a part of our church from Canada every year. And they happen to be down 
this time from Toronto. And so they're with us and they're praying and I'm over on this side of the room and Karen and I are here. And I look over and I see them and they're just weeping and crying. And when we finish praying, she steps over to me and she leans into my ear and she goes, she goes, this is your, I wrote this down, this is your building. God has great pleasure in giving it to you. Believe it and take it. <laughs> well, there was a, that was a moment in time where I had to decide, am I going to live a life of faith or going to live a life of fear and step into what God, you know, God blesses us as we step into things when it's for his benefit, when the motives are right, when our relationships with one another are right. It just seems like things go better in our prayer. Matthew 9, 29 through 30. Jesus is walking down the road and he hears, he hears somebody yelling. These two guys are stumbling along trying to get to him. Have mercy on us, son of David. And it's these two blind guys, these two blind beggars are trying to get to Jesus, just trying to get to him. And they say, Jesus, we want to we see. We want to see. Jesus answers back to them, Do you believe I am able to do this? Everybody's going to get asked that sooner or later. At some point in your life, you're going to hear God say to you, Do you believe I am able to do this? This is that life of faith that God seems to bless. And they responded so eloquently, Yes! Yes, Lord. And Jesus responds with this. According to your faith, let it be done to you. Living a life of faith pleases God. There seems to be this momentum built in with God answering prayers as we get into doing what he's called us to do, that God begins to answer prayers and there's a momentum that picks up. Now, as I pull this to a close, I, I want to say this too. I realize that things don't always work out the way we want them to. Even sometimes prayers that are good, they don't work out. We, uh, some of you here in this church, there's a lot of new people here in the church now, but some of you know that 16 years ago, right before we started this church, uh, we were blessed with our first two grandsons, Christian and Jordan. They were born premature. They were around two pounds is how much they weighed. That uh, You could put them in the palm of your hand. And uh, beautiful little twin boys. though. And yeah, it was, you know, they were very premature, but the prognosis was good, and they had great care, and... and uh, and things were going really well. And then all of a sudden we get a phone call. You know, the phone, the phone calls you never want. You get these phone calls. I mean, I, and, they, and it's, our, it's the baseball player, Jason, our son. And he calls and he says, Dad, George's not doing well. He's really sick. He need to get back up here. So we jump in the car and we ride back up and I call everybody I know. I send out emails all over the world, missionaries I know, people I know. They're praying, praying. I said, pray for Jordan, pray for him, pray for him. There's hundreds if not thousands of people praying for him. 
We go up there. There are friends of mine there praying, waiting for us to get there. We get up. We go into the preemie ward. We pray. We pray. We waited for hours, and things seemed to be stabilizing. We get in the car to come back to the beach. And the minute we roll up to the house, our youngest son was, had gotten home, and he opens the door and says, Dad, Jordan's dead. Now, I got to tell you, man, when, you, when those things happen, when those things happen, you wonder, don't you? But there were a couple things that during this process that I was, so, I was just reminded of. One was I kept seeing Jesus in the garden, you know. I kept seeing him when he wanted his best friends to stick it out with him at his toughest time, and they just kept falling asleep. You know, sometimes your best friends don't realize how, how deep in it you really are. <laughs> and you want them with you, but they don't see it. And so they just are not there with you. And so Jesus' best friends were like that. They just fall asleep on the job. I mean, he wanted them to pray with him. So he's off by himself. He's becoming acutely aware of the road he's going to have to walk. The cross is just a few hours away. And if you remember the story, he prays to his father and he's weeping, bleeding, blood coming out of his tear ducts. And he's crying out to God and he says, Lord, Father, if there is any other way, let this cup pass. I don't want to drink this cup that's been handed to me because I know how painful it's going to be. And for some reason, I just kept seeing that over and over and over again when we got that news. We got back to the house and we're praying and I kept seeing Jesus and then I could see this conversation of where Jesus goes, if it's, if there's any other way, let this cup pass. And those S's at the end of that word pass did not even get off his lips before he said, yet not my will but yours be done. Now there's a long gap between that pass and me saying thy will be done. There's a lot of pain in between that word pass and yet. And yet. But then I realized... I don't see the whole picture. His disciples didn't see the whole picture. They didn't see what was about to happen. They didn't understand. And then Romans 8.28 begins to flood my mind and flood my... You know that scripture? You guys know Romans 8.28? It is one you should memorize. Somebody want to say it to me? God causes all things what? To... To work together for good to those who what? Love him and are called according to his purposes. You see, the last word has not been spoken. God causes all things to work together for good. To those, not just to everybody, but to those who love him and those who are called according to to his purpose. I kept hearing that scripture and I kept seeing Jesus on his face before the Lord and seeing those words and I realized that I live, you live in a battle zone. We live here on this planet earth where the enemy wants to kill, steal, and destroy everything that God says is good on this earth. But yet God's kingdom, his rule and his reign is coming in Jesus Christ. While the world heads toward destruction, the kingdom is growing, growing, growing. 
And the last word has not been spoken yet over your pain, over your questions, over the loss of my grandson or all the other things maybe we went, we went through. I, I mean, we went through some horrendous things in about six months. That wasn't the, that wasn't the only thing. It was a barrage of, of loss. Loss, loss, loss. But I'm sitting here before you today. This church exists because of some of that loss. Right here. God gets the last word. Living a life of faith means believing that there is more that you have, than you have seen yet. Your prayer may not seem like it's been answered yet, but it's coming. And the king is really good at finishing what he starts. Really good. With all of this said, the most important thing for, for you is to have an honest relationship with God through Jesus. None of what I talked about today can really help you in your prayer life if you don't have a relationship with Jesus. John 9, 31, Jesus said, We know that God does not listen to sinners. That's Jesus saying that. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly man, godly woman who does his will. There is one prayer that God is going to answer this morning for you if you are not following Christ. And that is when you call on him. When you call on him to save you, when you call on Him to come into your life and you begin to follow Him, He will answer that prayer right now. Just like that. Immediately. That is your most pressing prayer this morning, my friend. If you have not done that yet, today is your day. Let's pray. We hope you enjoyed this week's podcast from Seacoast Vineyard Church in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. We look forward to you joining us next time on iTunes or at our website, www.seacoastvineyard.com.